Welcome to the Resilient Imprint Podcast. I'm your host, Chrissy. I want this episode to tie into Father's Day, so I am going to be detailing my view on Father's Day from the perspective of a former foster youth. Now, I do understand that being a former foster youth isn't my entire identity, but it definitely impacts the way I see a lot or experience um, emotions during holidays or days of celebration. For me, Father's Day, I don't think would have been as impactful if I hadn't met my Uncle Ruben, which is a person I met through my last placement. I did find it interesting that I'm a lot more indifferent about Father's Day than I am of Mother's Day. And if you haven't heard already, I have episode number two that details my experience as a former foster youth during Mother's Day, how I felt about Mother's Day, and also how I feel about it now that I'm a parent. So reflecting on that episode, I did have very strong feelings about Mother's Day. Now for Father's Day, although it is a time of slight grieving, and I say very slight, I'll explain that later, it doesn't impact me as much emotionally. It's, um, I'm a person that lives with anxiety, PTSD, as well as depression. And I can't explain it, but it's just something that happens inside of me. It's like, um, kind of like a clock, you know, my body somehow knows that, those days just bring these overwhelming emotions and I'm working on overcoming that. I've come a long way, but I've noticed that I do less of that during Father's Day than I would on a Mother's Day, just for an example. So as far as my Uncle Reuben goes, again, I met him through my last placement. He was the oldest sibling Uh, related to my foster mom and I do remember the first time I met him not necessarily like dates and times but I was it was the summer of me going into fourth grade and I just recall being enamored by this very tall man with beautiful straight teeth And he just had a heck of a smile on him. It was very warm. It was welcoming. I could just feel a very good presence from him. And the reason why I emphasize that is because a little background on me. I was a survivor of um, child sexual assault for many years by my grandmother's boyfriend. So being around males made me very nervous, adult males for that, not around like other peers my age. It was mainly adult males. 
And I don't recall feeling as much of ease with other adult males as I went through the foster care system. I mean, I only experienced two other homes, but I don't really recall ever being enamored by another male. And it was just like this sense of safety that I almost felt that's what it was. And it was just overwhelming. And I, I, I loved it. I love what my uncle Ruben gave. And, you know, he introduced himself to me like, hi, I'm uncle Ruben. I'm excited that you're here kind of thing. And we just ended up hitting it off. We hit it off right off the bat. And I just felt safe and welcomed by him. He just literally embraced me with open arms. And he didn't have to do that. He, For one, he didn't have to do that. He wasn't living in the home. Um, he would mainly come down to visit. So for him to really take an interest in who I was, what I was doing at all times, it was very different for me in a positive way. It was something I had never experienced before with other adult males. And he also had showed me a lot of things that I didn't know existed before, like self-defense and how to be aware of my surroundings, what it was to, you know, actually defend myself and how to voice my opinion if I was, you know, being hurt or bullied at school. He also gave me the birds and the bees talk. I was able to confide in him when it came to specific bullying of my physicality. So being very young, puberty hit me hard and I was very large breasted at a young age. And that happened to be a source of bullying when I was in fourth grade and that was something that he made clear that was inappropriate but you know I think it's really funny looking back at it as a parent now how he explained to me how to be confident in my body was by telling me who Dolly Parton was and how she was very large large uh, breasted and you know, look at her. She is making millions of dollars. She's a wonderful country singer. She's a beautiful woman. And she's not letting anybody who makes fun of her get in her way of living her life. And I find that funny because that's definitely a dad way of having that kind of talk as opposed to a mom probably would be saying something softer along the lines of, well, honey, you know, God made you the way he made you. And I don't know what other garbage you probably tell if you were a soft-spoken woman at the time, but <laughs> I didn't expect to be told about a Dolly Parton. I don't even know who the heck she was at the time, but um, yeah, we didn't have Google at that time, okay? It was still the era of um, Mozilla Firefox and uh, I think Yahoo and AOL search engines at the time. So I had to just hope that I did imagine the right person because I couldn't imagine a big haired blonde lady with big old boobs and being a short stature just seemed far-fetched to me right 
because I was a brunette little kid and uh, we definitely didn't have the same skin tone, but that was his way of telling me a dad way that it's going to be okay and this isn't going to last forever. And as a matter of fact, you shouldn't let people's words interfere with your everyday life. You keep trucking on, right? And another thing that really um, helped me out, unfortunately, that I did need was self-defense because as I was getting teased and bullied, like I was literally scared of my own shadow when I first went into that home and he taught me how to put up hands. I mean, for real, it got to the point where people knew like, hey, if you're going to if you're going to, you know, tease this little chihuahua, she, she'll bite, man. She will bite. And it's not necessarily something I was proud of now more so as an adult and as a mom, but it is something that I was very grateful for that he taught me how to do that because honestly, I'd probably get beat up and probably cry in a little corner. And if it wasn't for him showing me how to do these things, and I think the craziest thing was when I was a freshman in high school, I was being teased by this guy. Instead of my uncle telling me that's his way, you know, that's that kid's way of maybe he likes you or maybe this, he was like, I don't give a rat's butt what this kid thinks or feels. The point is, don't let him continue doing that. And you got to let him know it ain't, it ain't okay. So as him and I were going back and forth, we're saying words to each other, definitely saying very hurtful words to each other back and forth. As time went on, it eventually got to the point where this guy who is a freshman in high school in football training literally almost tried to push me down the stairs of our high school. I wouldn't say like alley, but it's a, a walkway, a two-sided stairway because he thought it was going to be funny I guess hey if she falls down she's going to be embarrassed you know um well he chose the wrong person I'll tell you this and I literally boxed him out I was I don't even know I think maybe it was like the first couple weeks of school the beginning of school and that's how everybody found out who Chrissy was the girl who literally uppercutted a young guy on the football team and was not giving lame scratches or hair pulling. I was straight up squared, popping lefts, popping rights and uppercutting this poor dude. It was something that no one ever expected from a four foot, 1100 pound girl. And that was a proud moment at that moment in time for me because I was like, that's right. I told you to leave me alone. You didn't want to listen. And now I had to do what I had to do. So besides that shock value, I was just so grateful to have my Uncle Ruben in my life and all those other celebrations in between that time period of me knowing him from fourth grade up until my freshman year were very special. He was available for my basketball games, maybe my volleyball games, you know, made it, uh, you know, made it important for me to remember how important I was, how special I was, how smart I was. He was just always pouring into me. And the fact that I wanted to sit there and listen to all his crazy stories because 
I mean, I thought La Puente was ghetto. This guy, he knew what ghetto was. He came from Cook County, Illinois is where he was born. And let me tell you, it is rough living out there, especially during his times. I mean, from what I understand now, it's it's still a very rough area. And to be told by someone that you love so much, right? Your dad, in essence, it, it stays with you forever. You know, I hear of instances where, you know, um, you're being bashed by your dad and you're not really being supported and how that impacts you for the rest of your life. And I was just so grateful that even though I did end up having um, difficulties after um, my freshman year and he no longer was there, I was able to always look back and hone in to the skills that he left me with and the words of encouragement that he left me with to remind me of who I, who I am, who I should aspire to be and how every day is an opportunity to become a better self. Unfortunately, as you will find throughout many of my podcast episodes that I will hope to create for you all, people don't stay in my life for too long. When I was a child, my uncle Ruben unfortunately passed away when I was about to be 15 years old, about two months or a month and a half before I was going to be 15. And it was very unexpected. It's a very heavy topic, so I won't discuss about, excuse me, his passing. That will be for another episode later on. But his death impacted me so much so that my foster mom and her family were keeping a very close eye on me. They were afraid that I was going to harm myself in some way or that maybe I will not snap back into reality because of his passing. I did struggle with many years. We're talking about many years, over a decade of severe mourning. It was really hard for me to get through that up until I had my daughter. And one of the things that helped me snap out of that grief was that my Uncle Ruben's daughter ended up finding her biological family. And her information was given to me by my foster sister, who is my foster mom's biological daughter. And when I got to speak to her, she was shocked that I knew who, who she was. I didn't know her name, right? I just knew that she existed because I had that close relationship with my Uncle Ruben. It was probably something I shouldn't have known at my age, but there was just certain things that I was able to talk to, to my Uncle Ruben about. And for whatever reason, he would tell me these things. And it wasn't like, shh, this is our little secret. It was, you know, I might have a daughter. It was just more like reminiscing. And maybe I've, because I was those ears, 
and I was always willing to listen to like either wisdom or pointers or his very interesting stories of when he was a kid. Um, he just felt comfortable to tell me these things. And so it was just a testament to our relationship when her and I did get to speak to tell her about who her dad was and how his manner of death didn't define who he was as a person. And also it served as a friendly reminder to me while I was pregnant that I may not be the best parent, but the chances are is that my child is not going to see my flaws. They're going to see me as the best wholehearted parent that I can be. And let me tell you why. I found out things about my Uncle Ruben that were, to me, shocking. Uh, It wasn't crazy illegal. It's not like he was doing some crazy criminal stuff. But he was um, battling with some issues as an adult, you know, and it was shocking to me, but I, looking back, yeah, I could see the signs as an adult, I could see those signs, but I did not see that flawed man. I didn't see that broken man as a child. I saw a wholehearted man who did his best to put a foot forward every day and to be intentional to be present to be unselfish and to constantly think of others especially the foster kids he never called me the foster kid this isn't my foster niece that was this is my niece and he created that narrative you are my family that's that's all there is to it. It I don't care about this nonsense of foster this, foster that. And I was able to give that information to his daughter who you know, that's their own personal story, but he didn't get to see her grow up and to hear the life that she was given, it just made me feel that much better like wow, I'm so glad that your father was just so loving and so kind because you got that back, you know, maybe not through him. And he, he, he wasn't sure if you were his biological child, but I was able to share these beautiful stories and these moments with his biological daughter and to just really tell her how much I loved him and what he meant to me. And then I also realized how ridiculous I felt for mourning for so long. I had gotten time with this man that his biological daughter never got to have and never will, never will because he is no longer here. And instead of grieving, my heart finally started feeling gratitude for the first time. He passed away when I was 14. Very close friends to me at that time still ask me, how am I taking that grief? Because they can't believe the turnaround that I finally chose to make. 
they don't know the backside story of how I went through that journey. But you see that perspective that I chose to take. This person that meant the world to me who died in the most devastating possible way ended up being someone that his own flesh and blood, the irony, right? I was not related to him, but he was my surrogate father. His biological daughter never got to remember her experience, right? Because he only knew her as a baby. She was able to just see the dynamic that I had with her dad and appreciate that relationship, respect that relationship. She was also able to see who her father was as a person, who her father could have been to her as a father because he was a very good man in spite of the demons he was facing in his adult life. I also feel in retrospect that maybe I didn't replace, I would never replace his biological daughter in his life because he always missed her. But I also filled in a sense that void that he had because he didn't get to raise his own daughter. So it was kind of like a give, give, and we didn't even realize this. At least I didn't realize it until I ended up speaking to his daughter. So he had passed 14. I ended up having my daughter at 28. All those years I was grieving, severely grieving him. We're talking about depression that I had refused to face. I had refused to even come to terms that I had depression up until that time. But the simple choice, and I always want to drive this home, we have a choice. If you don't know, and I know it sounds simple, it may sound repetitive. The power of choice is very, very overwhelming. When you come to realize you have a choice and you make a different choice, you start seeing the benefits of that different choice that experience opens up a whole new world for you. So because I chose to see the gratitude and no longer having pity on myself, no longer staying stuck in that mourning period, I was able to now reflect and say, wow, those memories were great and it was, and it was very painful to have him pass in the manner in which he passed. But I got to experience a once in a lifetime experience that his own child will never have. His grandchildren will never get to hear his voice. His granddaughter will never be, you know, given these lessons of martial arts and how to duke it out with someone. His daughter will never hear how much He loved Celia Cruz and how proud of being a Puerto Rican he was. I got to experience that. And because I chose gratitude, I no longer was stuck in mourning. And I was also able to smile again during times that 
were difficult for me, like Father's Day. I no longer had to mourn in the way that I did before. I was able to look back and reflect and be grateful, especially because all I have is one picture of him, a picture that my brother ended up smuggling out of my foster mom's home. And he didn't realize this, but I did. The back of that photo is a note for my uncle's biological daughter. If he, if she were to ever find him or he were to ever find her, that was the picture that he wanted to give her. There was a note on the back of it. And I told her about that. I did tell his bio, biological daughter, hey, there is this picture. Honestly, it's the only picture I have of him. I didn't go into full detail about my relationship with her aunt, but I did make it clear that it was a relationship that is severed, nor did I, I care to revive it. But that is her family, and I'm not going to create an opinion about her family to her. I want her to create her own opinion based on her experiences because just because her aunt was a certain way with me doesn't mean that she is going to be the same way with her. My uncle's daughter told me to go ahead and keep it. Now, I mean, I don't know if it was because she just wanted to be nice or because she was like, girl, I don't even know you like that, okay? Don't be sending that to me, mm-mm. I don't want to give you any information on how you can contact me because I don't know you like that. But the point is I got to keep it and it is one of my prized possessions and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that because I get to see him in the best way possible at his happiest. That's the way I remembered him when he was so happy. And you guys, this picture I will not be posting. I will post uh, maybe other memorabilia that I've given him that he kept all those years. He kept all those years. These were little prized possessions of him, of his. But this picture, you guys, is a selfie. This is a selfie before smartphones. Um, cell phones weren't even invented to the capacity that they are now. Okay. They were probably still very large, almost old nineties phone, uh, cordless phone looking kind of things or these huge things back in those days was all about the beepers okay so this selfie setup is super extra where you have to put a timer on the camera put it on a standing stilt to take a picture of yourself pose and hope that you get it right he is just as happy as can be. He has the most amazing smile. And I think that's because he really had hope that this picture would be the one to give to his daughter. Like that's what brought him the joy, the joy of, and the hope that he would one day give that image to his child and have that relationship with his child. I just want to wrap it up here. Make the choice, make the choice to overcome. Don't get stuck in your mourning if that's what you're doing right now during this season uh, of celebrating Father's Day, whether you're mourning the loss of your parent, your parent figure for this day of celebration, choose 
gratitude instead. To the best of your ability, what are the things that you are grateful for? Let's not get stuck and let's overcome. What are the things that you are grateful for? Even if it was a short period, even if your story was, hey, I haven't seen my dad. I didn't know who my dad was. I only got him for a few months and then he passed. Or maybe they didn't want the relationship with you. Maybe you had a strained relationship with your father or your father figure. Whatever the situation is, I could promise you that there is some type of gratitude that you could find, even if your father wronged you. You know what? The best thing he could have done was to walk out of my life because while this person was in my life, they were hurtful. They were not very helpful. They were hurtful. So be thankful for that. Be thankful as difficult as it is to have that absence in your life. Be thankful for something. Thank you for taking the time to listen to today's episode. Please like and subscribe if you want to hear more. I can also be found on Instagram at The Resilient Imprint. I would love to hear from you. If you're a former foster youth, if perhaps there's an issue that I've brought light to that you weren't aware of before, whatever it is, leave a review. And of course, don't forget, you do matter, you are worthy, and you do belong. Until next time, my friend.